passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. It's John Pollock, it's waiting. This is Rewind to Raw. How are you, Way? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing. I'm doing just fine. Yourself? Are you all right? Yeah. No, I'm just a little tired. That's all. Well, that last forty minutes of Raw, I can understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was that. You know, I think coupled with some of the uh, the problems uh, that that came with uh, daylight savings time, uh, just throwing off everybody's schedules. I mean, I'm a little bit tired as a result, unfortunately. So please bear with me. Did you notice how much I was fighting through Elimination Chamber last night? I was I was dying from the effects of lo- just losing that one hour. And it really hit me last night, just having to sit down and stare at that screen for four plus hours. I mean, I didn't really notice because I think I was trying to stay up myself. You and I so. might have gone, I would say, two solid hours without speaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean... It's you know- a remarkable... Um, it's a remarkable feat, I will say, uh, for our friendship that I can go that long without speaking to someone and not feel a certain uh, uh, sense of being neurotic. It's just uh, I-, I feel you know me enough to know I'm not being rude. I no, have nothing to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I understand. And this is also a great reminder why you and I would be terrible candidates to do any sort of watch along live streaming. Cause it would be the most it would boring. Be, I joked during the that. show that we should totally do it. And we just don't talk for the entire time. That uh, would be something, wouldn't it? Well, we could replace ourselves with like a still photo, like a still <laughs> screenshot. And I think it'd be the same. Effect. Just, just pipe in the audio and yeah. we've got like, just, uh, occasionally we'll blink. Yeah. Yeah. It's essentially what it's like. So, yeah. Well, it, it really it, it hit me because after that UFC show on, on Saturday, by the time I got the show up, all of a sudden with the time change, I went to sleep. It was five in the morning, and then I got up at eight thirty, and I I didn't feel that tired. I had a lot of stuff I had to do on Sunday, but come Elimination Chamber, like an hour into that show, that was when it, it hit me. But then I got my second win for our show, so you know you pace yourself. I mean, the idea really is, I think I think kind of silly. You know, imagine like. Imagine if we didn't have daylight savings time and everybody all of a sudden just had to go to work at 7 a.m. instead of 8 a.m. The world would be in in shambles. Well, is there not something that British Columbia is considering not recognizing it any longer? I think I've heard that. Yeah, I don't know. That that is so far down in the cycle of news that's out there today that um, I probably completely missed it. 
how how much is your day to day consumption of news uh, consisting of all of the preventable measures being taken for the coronavirus? Because it is just day after day. Oh yeah, growing so much more by like just each passing day that it's affecting everything. And I think we'd be absolutely naive to not think that there is the possibility that um, many a weekend is is going to be subject to to all of this in four weeks potentially. Oh, absolutely, of course. Um, like at uh, minimum, extreme precautions are going to be taken if all these shows go ahead, and there, you, you have to be bracing for the possibility that some of these events could be affected. I am well aware, absolutely. Um, it's, you know, it's certainly dominated my timeline to the point where I've, I'm almost like, I'd be, I'm muting like these trends just because I don't really need to see it. I don't really need to see all that much about the stock market. I'm well aware, everybody. Um, I've kind of had my fill, to be honest. At the same time, it's very well, very good, of course, to be, to be aware. Um, you know, but I mean, this is something, obviously... Uh, we have a real vested interest in because we're doing our own show, of course, but we'll also be attending a lot of these shows um, come Mania Weekend, as are going to be a lot of our listeners. So, um, you know, whether it, nothing's going to change, I would say, unless the city of Tampa wills it so or the government wills it so. And uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's four weeks away. Um, anything can happen in that time. Well, looking... Yeah, you know, among the many um, cancellations and things that were affected on Monday, they announced in in Dublin that their St. Patrick's Day parade is being canceled uh, coming up. And I guess if you were AEW right now, would you be comfortable in John Moxley and Pac uh, going over there this weekend for Scrapper Mania, flying into the country? Um. That you know, that's a question. Really, I think I think for them that, that I'm not really qualified to answer. Um, I I would assume if it was just simply two people performing at that show, I would think the answer is would be fine. Would be yes. This is a relatively small, like this isn't you know you're talking about large public gatherings. I mean, Scrapper Media would not be it. But yeah, I, I guess you're just looking if you're AEW. I do even want to take that risk. Um, I guess well, that would be something that I, I, let's, I would let's, imagine let's, that discussion might be happening. Well, let's forget even like Scrapper Mania, but like shows, weekly shows, you know, a Raw or a Dynamite or, you know, any sort of large public gathering, even on this side of the world. I mean, events are being canceled, um, uh, you know, everywhere, but, you know, including uh, things that are taking place in North America now. How much are they looking at their own weekly schedule where, you have very large gatherings of people attending your shows every single week. Um, and, and how much of, of all that is in jeopardy? There was just a flight that came in to uh, Toronto from Germany. And someone uh, – they're, they're telling people to uh, put themselves – essentially self-isolate themselves because someone uh, may have been affected. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, Absolutely. I mean, we the could whole, go through dude, the like whole, dozens the whole country, and dozens of these The stories. whole country of Italy is on lockdown, man. It's Italy it's, is on lockdown right now. All sporting not. events canceled. It's uh, – you, you know what I found out? It, this is crazy that no one had pointed this out until now. Are you aware that there's a beer that shares the same name as this virus? I had no you, idea. Wow. I, that's I, – I didn't even put two and two together. I'm, yeah. I, I can't believe like the – 
the fresh content that people are, are getting out, out of this, uh, this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. So there's that, you know, that, that is definitely one of the, the terrible side effects of uh, social media, but the other, the, I mean, it is, I would say, you know, um, on the other hand, I, I would say like kind of having so much like access to information that's out there right now, um, ultimately I think is good because I think a lot of people are very much more aware of, um, how to properly wash your hands, what precautions to actually take. And I hope people are, are taking it seriously. Um, because I, I would minimum, say minimum 20 seconds, everyone minimum 20 seconds, you know, cough into your sleeve, stay at home. If you're sick, you know, it's, it's all good. Um, you won't be missed at work. I'm sure. Um, so that's one of the stigmas that I think has really evolved significantly over the past 10 years is that it used to be, you know, I, I was in like work environments where it always used to be, you know, guy, people that would show up to work sick, like they're doing like this, un this unbelievable uh, sacrifice by yeah, coming to work hurt. while they're sick. You're it's finishing like, no, the match. Everyone's pissed at you that you're showing up because you're putting me at risk of getting sick. Stay, stay the fuck at home and get better and come back in two days so that you don't take down half the office. Yeah, I would say that's especially true right now. And I th when I think, you know, any sort of common cold or any sort of allergy uh, re re resulting in any, any sort of sneeze has any anybody in, in a nearby distance on alert. So uh, I don't know. I would I would hope um, employers are, are a lot more lenient about that these days. But um, you, you and I are kind of lucky in that we can kind of work from home. I mean, and do the show even via Skype. Yeah, I can just stay in this bunker here. Just uh, you got your toilet paper stocked up. I'm ready. I'm ready for anything. Okay. Yeah. I got a Joe Louis, and <laughs> it's still there. I, I didn't eat it. It's actually in the fridge right you now. You could throw it out, John. It's fine. No, 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 no. It's, oh, God, I'm gonna preserve no. it. No, it's probably bad by now. But um, I, you know, I didn't realize this, but Joe, but Joe Louis is a Canadian thing. It's, oh yeah, it's I. I they were really popular when I was a kid, and they've never gone away. But they were they were certainly like the popular thing in elementary school to like bring to. If someone pulled one of those out for their snack, it's like, oh damn, you won the lottery. Well, I thought they were like available in America too. Maybe they are, but I guess you know they, they might not be as popular. I guess that, what in the U.S. they have like Twinkies and Ding Dongs. Yeah, I mean it's it's hardly any kind of delicacy. It's it's pretty. Joe Louis way over a, a, either of those two. I mean, it's got a nice little compact shape to it. I mean, it looks like it looks like a hamburger, Orange. but it's chocolate. It, it's magnificent. It's it's uh, next to Tim Hortons, I would say, maybe our greatest invention. What was the last time you had one? Jeez, I don't know. Probably 10 years. Oh, OK. So this is, you know, my birthday is uh, coming up, John. So I know. I know. I wish we had a pay-per-view this weekend. <laughs> uh, how well, did you spend your day? Uh, I mean, I worked all day. Uh, and then I uh, went out with my wife tonight and then got home in time because uh, there was a big Riddick Moss title match that we had to cover. So um, I had to cut my evening short to watch Raw, but that was fine. It's I feel Monday. terrible. It's, we, it's, should, it's we, busy... we should have given you the night off, man. No, not at all. That's It's Monday. It's uh, it's a day that we work. Do you, do you have plans for your birthday? Yeah, I'll be celebrating your birthday. Oh, yeah. that's That's <laughs> kind of it. I mean – it's kind of, uh, <laughs> I guess, Way's coming over to my place uh, this week. Yeah, John's having a little... But what about your actual birthday? Your actual birthday is not uh, the day I'm having uh, my, my thing. Right, yeah. No, you've, you've graciously given me the weekend off. Uh, yes. So 
Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't really have many plans these days. I'm, I'm just more into like keeping it low key. We'll probably just stay in, you know, maybe dinner with my family and honestly, um, not really looking to do much else. I, I, especially, you know, now I, I really just like staying at home. I think I'm going to hit like one of those, like now it's, I feel 40 is no longer like this, um, frightening number uh to hit it's it's now kind of like that's ah, 40 you know what i mean but yeah. it's like we're closing in on it you know what i mean we're we're an olympic cycle away so i mean what would because i i agree with you it's the same way for me like i think i think it happens anytime you you pass that threshold you know like 30 when you're 20 feels like it's a long ways away and you get to like 29 it's like okay at least for me it was like whatever like i feel like 29 is already 30 by the time you're 30, it's like, man, 40 feels like such a long ways away. But then, like, I don't know, you get to your mid-30s, and it's like, 40 is just like, I don't know, it's just, it's just kind of there. But, like, when you turn 50, how do you think that you'll feel then? Uh, by that point, I'm sure there will be part of me that will be looking at, at 50, probably just uh, bracing for it the same way. I am 40 and I'll probably have the same explanation. See, I look at it the other way as well. Like the reverse effect is that, you know, you, you do the math going backwards. Like how long do you think you're going to live until? Like give or take. What, what what do you think is a reasonable estimate of how long you're going to last way? Like are you are you I don't know. of the well, mindset you're going to hit 75? Like that's, that's a target. That's a reasonable target. You stay healthy. I, I would hope so. Yeah. So if you say 75, like you're looking at that's 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 39 years from now. Yeah. yeah. So you're not even at the midpoint yet. And, oh, yeah. And really, when you look at it, like, I don't look at my life that I've lived, like, yes, physically, I've been on this planet for 36 years. But what what are really the first nine or ten? Like, that's really, it's, if you were to list off the major achievements in your life from zero to ten, you're not even filling up half a page. It's very minimal. You don't really start living till, I would say... 11, 12, that's when the development starts, and then 13, you're off to the races, and that's like, okay, it's go time. So it's really, like, yeah, it's really, almost like a do, draft, you, you know, your first 10 years of your life. It's like almost like a test run. It's a warm up, yes. It's, warm up, you know, yeah. Stretching. You know, yeah, it's, it's the stretching period, and then, and then you're off to, to run and discover yourself. So what are you saying? Like you, I'm saying that lived. I'm I'm pretty much. So you're saying you're turning. Uh, I'm like 26. 24. That's how old I am, really. Like that's that's Got how it. I look at it. Well, I think that's a good mentality to have. You know, yeah. that'll keep you young. Um, well, uh, you know, I my opinion is that maybe 50 might be a big deal, but then after that, they're all just whatever, right? Like after 50, like you're once you're once you're in the in the in the category of old. I mean, that's that's it. Like you could be fifty or seventy. To me, it would be no different. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know what my um, major changes will be like. Like, think about what you were like at twenty six versus thirty six. I think I'm completely different. Like, uh, let's be yeah, honest. Your twenties. You're you're an idiot. You know for, what? You know what? 20s. We can. We actually have plenty of podcasts where we have uh, re- audio recording of you at twenty six, video recording of you at twenty six, even. So as can, I said, like I was an idiot in my twenties. Yeah, and... you were wearing uh, probably wearing flame shoes. You had a wallet chain, spiked spiked blonde hair, rapping. You know, you, and I would say you you've definitely gone through a metamorphosis. How about you? I, I think you have made. Um... A lot I of adjustments say, yourself. No, I would say I'm pretty pretty similar. Mm, I, I, I think I think you've made uh, 
alterations over the years. In what way? I, I think like you've you've grown into like the, this wise uh, individual. Like you're, you're you're kind of like a Yoda. And what was I? What was I like at twenty six? I mean, I, I, I've always I've always thought of you as kind of a, a wise individual, but uh, you have more credibility now to me in terms of when uh, you have something yeah. wise to say. Like so, sometimes I'll be the one that's always, uh, you know, I'll be I'll have some issue that I'm dealing with, and then you can just uh, you give me like one sentence. That's all. It's like, oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Problem solved. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So cool. Okay. Thanks, man. Um... I think this has been a good show. I think we should just uh, we should stop. Yeah, you know, Owens got hit with the stomp. <laughs> Man's gonna die at WrestleMania. That was uh, that's that was our buildup for WrestleMania. Uh, later this week, uh, just a few uh, notes for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe on Tuesday night. It is the granddaddy of them all. It is the MCU review of Avengers: Infinity War, and we are going to be bringing together uh, the Power Stone. No, wait. Way would be the Mind Stone. Uh, mm. Brent is bringing the Power Stone. And me, I'm going to be the Reality Stone because I'm going to be trying to uh, make sense of this whole thing. See, I would so, say I, I would have said Time Stone because you're so good with dates. Okay, right. So if I'm not happy with the podcast, I will just uh, Thanos this thing and we'll go back and correct course. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah. That is That is the coolest stone. The time stone, is it not? Uh, I would say so, yeah. I mean, reality is pretty cool, too, I would say. Um, but, yeah, cool. Okay. That's coming up on Tuesday night. All Cafe members uh, will get that show. Also, on Thursday, we're going to be joined by Benno on the Cafe Hangout. That's live at 3 p.m. Eastern time, along with your phone calls. And we'll be chatting uh, many subjects on the Cafe Hangout this week. And as Wayne noted, it will be me solo this Saturday with Rewind to SmackDown. And then we're throwing you a bonus show on Sunday as myself and Mike Murray are going to review the ROH pay-per-view that's going down on Friday night. And if we have the time, uh, we'll go through the past versus present show that's happening on Saturday night. So look out for that uh, this coming weekend, along with Thunderstruck. It is the final countdown that we are on to for Thunderstruck. Five more shows remain, and the countdown this Sunday includes Jushin Thunder Liger and Koji Kanemoto with Jojo Remy, our our close personal longtime friend who is going to be joining WH Park uh, to review that match from February of 1998. A uh, a perfect week to say post wrestling. I listen to those guys. Who says that? Everybody after this week. Okay. Every Koji Kanemoto fan out there that also has a has an affinity for Infinity War. Wow. Wow, wonderfully done. So check all of that out at postwrestling.com. Uh, Wade, do you know of any great live Q&A shows that are happening right before people want to go watch wrestling for seven hours on Sunday, April the 5th, um, world issues aside? Well, of course I do, John, and that'll be the Post Wrestling Live in Tampa Q&A, which takes place at 12 o'clock at the Art Institute of Tampa. Listen, everybody, if by this point you're going to the Tampa for WrestleMania, you got to be all in. Just like John and I are, we're committing to this thing, okay? Unless you hear from Donald Trump himself, this th- this thing is not taking place. WrestleMania is canceled. Uh, it, 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 the whole city is evacuated. Okay, then we're out of there. But until that happens, we'll be right there at the Art Institute of Tampa uh, doing a uh, Q&A, live meet and greet, VIP lunch for all you guys, uh, parking spaces. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> we're doing we're we're in it. We're in it. Parking spaces for everyone with a VIP ticket. Parking for the entire day, minutes away from Raymond James Stadium. There is there is no one else that is going to offer you a parking spot and lunch together. Like those two things just that doesn't come with your typical wrestling event, does it? Um, not that I, I know of, yeah. Unless like, you know, like spring break's got a crazy deal, but yeah. All of that is going down Sunday, April the 5th, postwrestling.com slash live, L-I-V-E. Go pick up your tickets. Uh, we're hoping uh, to see many of you down there, and uh, we will be doing a meet and greet. We will be uh, sanitary in interactions. I'm thinking looking- instead of handshakes, we fist everybody. Wow. A, f- uh, a live fisting. Maybe we can like try to set a world record for biggest fisting. The largest. You know, we... We will be the 2001 SmackDown set of fisting. Damn. Like all the fists coming together to wait, to make one big fist? One giant fist. That sounds like quite the, quite the task, but I'm up for it. All right. Sunday, April 5th. Check it out. Let's go on to some news items. Uh, a few things coming out of the weekend. I would say the story that was talked about the most on Monday was... The situation involving David Starr and WXW. He was uh, putting his career in WXW on the line against their unified champion, Bobby Guns, lost the match, and afterwards gave a farewell speech to the fans at WXW. And then after the fact, he was on Twitter and said that he was not going to go on to on the details on this particular platform. He said... Freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences, and this mutual decision was one that neither of us wanted to make. I love WXW and always will. So it was never flat out stated that um, this is a WWE-related issue, but people are aware that you know WXW and WWE, they do have uh, a relationship, and many have jumped to the conclusion that this has forced David Starr out of WXW. And, you know, he has kind of alluded to problems like this. I think if you go back and listen to the interview that Jamesy did with him, I mean, he was he didn't state any promotions uh, by name, but he did allude to, you know, one company saying that you are one step away from being out of here. And I, I guess what are your thoughts on this? And, you know, for David Starr, who is this very unique commodity – I have no doubt that he is going to use this to just further kind of enhance that that image as the guy that is truly independent and outside of mainstream mainstream wrestling, but certainly didn't want to denigrate WXW on the way out here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I think this is it. It, it kind of sucks because, from all accounts, it sounds like you know the man had a great relationship and a great run with WXW. And uh, probably sucks that, you know, he won't be able to wrestle in front of that audience for quite some time. Um, but at the same time, I think for his his character, this is like the best thing that could have ever happened to him. You know, now you have like, uh, you know, I, I mean, I feel like that tweet pretty much like says as much as, as he possibly could have to, you know, um, confirm things than, you know, uh, like b- besides actually doing it itself. 
But, you know, for the type he, of... He's walking story. a line, too, that... Sorry to interrupt, but he's walking this line, too, where you can see he does have respect for these guys in WXW and probably understands the position mm-hmm. uh, that he's in. But to completely ignore the reasons, like, that doesn't do him any good either because I think that, you know, the fact that it's somewhat, you know, people are piecing, putting the pieces together, as we said, like, that kind of goes to this guy's appeal to people and it benefits him for that story to be out there. It makes him, you know, a commodity that, um, you know, has this sort of like edge, like you can't, he's banned from all these places uh, attached to him. And I think anywhere he goes will receive a certain level of attention. Do you think this will extend to OTT? Um, I don't. I think that like OTT, I, I see as something that, I mean, they, they have built everything around this guy. Uh, he's got the match with Moxley this week. Um, just going back to like the WXW side of things. And uh, of course he hasn't been, uh, been booked by, by progress as well. That if we were to see those companies pop up on the WWE network, I mean, this is a guy who has literally, you know, tweeted out in the past advocating for people to cancel their network subscriptions to go support independent wrestling and independent wrestling services do you think that ultimately this was everyone is expected those companies to eventually end up on the network? Do you think that this this separation was inevitable that David Starr was not going to want to be featured on the WWE network if that's where things were heading? It's very possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And I could understand it from both sides. If you're WWE faced with like the possibility of having this guy on your channel who's talked all this shit about your your company, um, I can understand why they wouldn't want them. I can see uh, why David Starr wouldn't want to be associated with the, the, the network either or WWE. And I can see WXW, their difficulty of being caught in between this whole thing. So I understand it from all sides, really. And maybe this was just something that was inevitable. Yeah, that seems to be like like WXW. They, you know, if they want to maintain a relationship with WWE, like this is someone that is, you know, going to be very difficult to to manage that. And I think that, you know, they're... They're looking at it from the point of view that us being attached to WWE is of greater good to the longevity of our company and being able to run shows and, you know, make sure a whole roster here can have regular work. And we'll we'll see ultimately, like, what happens with WWE and WXW. But, you know, certainly that's been, you know, out there in terms of uh, rumored content to be added to the network. But it's just... It's a very interesting story to look at, and with David Starr, like WXW is a really a major company over there in in Germany, and it's it's one less company that he has to work with, um, and you know it, it it seems that he is going to have options for him, but in terms of you know regular you know big time independent promotions, it's it's well really two less now that he has, mm-hmm. so. Um, We'll see if he at some point goes more into this. Um, I I would think at some point he'll probably address this further, but it seems right now that they're not really going into it. And even after the show, when um, WXW representatives, they do these uh, press conferences with members of the media and they were kind of pushed on like what this means, that it was a mutual decision and they were really not going into it at all um, regarding David Starr. So it seems like they're just trying to, get through this weekend and not um, stir things anymore, even though people are going to be curious as to like why 
such a big commodity like David Starr is on his way out. So um, I'm sure they'll have more of this uh, on the next episode of the British Wrestling Experience. Benno was uh, at the uh, week, uh, the 16 karat gold weekend, and he'll be on the hangout with us. So we'll probably go into this more on Thursday as well. Uh, a story we didn't get to on Sunday night uh, involves Scott Steiner. He was backstage at the Impact event over the weekend in Atlanta. Uh, and this was on Friday night, and he was backstage and collapsed. Uh, this was first reported by Sean Rossap, and then later in the night we saw uh, Tommy Dreamer, Scott Demore, um writing about this on Twitter, noting that they were at the hospital with Steiner. Uh, Mike Johnson reported that Saturday he was set to undergo a heart procedure, and afterward uh, Tommy Dreamer had said he is expected to make a complete recovery, and luckily it seems like he – escaped what what could have been a really, really bad deal, um, worse than it ended up being. But nonetheless, uh, Scott Steiner, you would have to wonder if uh, this is someone you'd be comfortable putting in your ring at this point, knowing that there's a heart issue and, you know, should this is where you look at um, company or states that are uh, that commission pro wrestling and that are overseeing this, that, you know, you want to make sure guys are capable of, doing physicality at wrestling shows and Scott Steiner, that like, that would seem to be something that you'd be certainly cautious of if he ultimately can come back from something like this. Absolutely. You know, if he had been injured, I think under, um, if, or if he was under WWE contract and he was, he suffered this, I, th- I think it would be pretty clear that I, I would doubt that he would ever be wrestling inside a ring again, at least under WWE. But um, with him kind of being uh, outside of that system and perhaps wrestling with a lot more independence, it's it's a it's a little less mm, sure that I'm a little less sure that he he won't step back in the ring. Uh, no matter the case, I hope um, I hope he he fully recovers first and gets all his appropriate checks and is just careful. I mean, I feel like Scott Steiner at this point doesn't even need to necessarily wrestle in order to like his appeal isn't isn't necessarily just him wrestling it's him cutting the probos and being the character and looking the way that he does um and i i think the world would be fine with that yeah i just I, i'd be very very nervous about uh booking this guy uh wrestling after you know you know they should take this as like he was he was extremely lucky that if he comes out of this and you know lucky that he was at a at a tv taping with paramedics absolutely like this guy could have been driving to a show he could have been in numerous places that would not have been equipped to to handle something that you know time was certainly uh, an important factor here to being able to to get him to a hospital and the urgent care necessary like this certainly could have been way worse than it appears to have been AEW has added shows for New Orleans, Louisiana at the UNO Lakefront Center. That'll be May the 6th and then Rio Rancho, New Mexico the following week. The New Orleans show, that's where ROH did their Supercard of Honor show two years ago. And that's where the big Cody-Kenny Omega match uh, took place. And they did 6,100 people at that show um, that you and I attended. 6,100, yeah, yeah, yes. That was a memorable week. Very memorable one, and that was totally Cody and Kenny Omega. Like that was one of the big matches of the weekend, and I, I just remember being so surprised they didn't put that match on last. And it was like that audience was just emotionally spent after that match, and they still had um, the main event to go, which was Marty Skrull, Dalton Castle that night. But it was, um, you know, certainly where you could see back in 2018, like the the elite 
um, being able to draw a very big show because I, I looked at that match as you know the the key to drawing that number that night at Supercard of Honor. Yeah, I wonder if they play with that. I wonder if they make reference to that match uh, as part of like AEW canon, you know? Um, because I I feel like there's a lot of uh, fan service done for people of the, or for fans of theirs who have you know seen all of their matches, and I would certainly rank that one as like you know one of the more memorable ones of that whole like you know elite's uh, history. So, but at the same time, will, yeah, will they introduce it on TNT to what you would assume might be also a brand new audience? I wonder. Unlikely. I, I I don't know if they would would reference it, but a, a real interesting question that I always think of is that had Chris Jericho not come to AEW, how much different the you know what what the main event picture looks like in AEW and who that top heel is? You would assume that Cody's probably in that role and not this gigantic babyface star for the company, even though some may believe he is the top heel in the company. Sure, yeah, who knows? Um, who knows? I mean, part of me feels like no matter what, I think the audience was going to cheer him, given just, you know, the the real story behind him and, and all in. Like, he really feel, feels like the, the, the face of sort of like that principal drive to put that show on. And I feel like he would have been cheered either way. But, I mean, yeah, they could have turned to anybody, really. They've also announced the participants for the Blood and Guts match on March 25th. It will be the Elite uh, teaming up, the five of them, for the first time uh, all together in one match in AEW against the inner circle of Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, Ortiz, and Santana. And this Wednesday, they'll announce the rules for the match. And with over two weeks to heavily promote this, this was already a significant a chunk of the road to Salt Lake city video they just put out today was dedicated to just promoting blood and guts with comments from Dustin and Arn Anderson. And I would certainly think that this show, you know, I, I don't know what will be going up against it that night, but this certainly seems to be the show that, you know, in the back of your head, you would have to think they are aiming to do, you know, a, a big, big audience for like, I would think if this one doesn't hit a million, I, I don't know what, is for dynamite with all of the positive buzz for them over the this year of episodes of dynamite and this match just the history of the match and how big it's going to be promoted like this is going to be i would say a, a very big episode of dynamite yeah yeah you know that that elusive one million though i i wonder i wonder if it's possible with the pool and and i think with the audience kind of like really set in their ways of watching either nxt or AEW at this point um, but nonetheless, I mean, that is certainly a pay-per-view level match. You know, it is the biggest type of match I, I would say you could make with the format of a war games like this. So um, I'm I'm really interested to see it. I mean, I think now is a good time to do it because who knows when you'll have like all the, the elite members technically still on the same babyface side um, in like, you know, a year's time even. So why not? How long do you think that match goes? I think at least an hour. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That it it could take up like the whole, maybe second hour of the show, yeah. depending on where they where they place it in the show. Like I could see it taking up, you know, close to you know forty five to sixty minutes of television time, and I'd be very curious how the number would grow throughout that that period as as long as that match is going. Mm -hmm. And it seems like there's no aversion to TNT allowing blood on the show that you would for this kind of match, given what its name namesake is. You, you would have to envision that there's going to be a ton of it in this match. Yeah, yeah. 
And the final note here is that Friday on SmackDown, uh, Paige is going to be on the show for some kind of segment involving Bailey, where she's going to confront Bailey. And Jeff Hardy will also be on the show, his first appearance on SmackDown since last April, when he vacated the tag titles with Matt and, of course, has had his issues outside of the ring since then, uh, on top of uh, you know the leg injury he sustained that took him off of TV to begin with. But uh, an interesting time of the year to be bringing Jeff Hardy back, but I guess after last week's interview on backstage and announcing that he was cleared that they felt like now is the time to utilize Jeff and we'll see how he is used on on Friday's show they must you know be confident in in him enough to to bring him back right now and I would assume that he's got some role at WrestleMania that might be significant yeah and I mean he does have the court date the day after which I guess could get postponed if there is a WrestleMania plan but I I had just assumed that they would wait for all of that stuff to be taken care of and then use Jeff post mania. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, if he's on TV, it, if like if they shoot an angle on Friday, then I guess it's possible that he is in the mix somehow for for mania. So we'll see with that on Friday. Onto the show we go from Washington D.C., the Capital One Arena, the home of the first episode of Dynamite. Wow, cool. Yes. This is where the debut episode took place, and we had cameras locked on the entrance to the building that were set to watch for Edge to show up. When would Edge arrive at the arena? Would he make it in time? Yeah, you figured they, they would have had him there, I don't know, a few hours before? Guess not. They were, they were cutting it close here. Would he make it? Becky came out and started the show to address Shayna Baszler, who multiple times was identified as... The cage fighter, Shayna Baszler. Mm -hmm. So that looks to be the moniker they're going with. And also pushing the fact that she was the the first Elimination Chamber participant to eliminate all of the opponents in the match. And Becky says that the time for joking is over. They recap the Elimination Chamber match. And Becky notes how Baszler was able to take down Asuka, the woman that it took her so long herself to beat. And Shayna did it in minutes Shayna is a world-class scumbag, a black hole of charisma, and is the but she, Becky, is the bitch that runs this division, while you are a constipated-looking robot that didn't shake my hand at WrestleMania last year. So that's in reference to something backstage? I guess, yeah. This was just kind of thrown in there to, I guess, add some realism to their... Um, Mm. They're they're feud like they really don't like each other. Right, right. This year, no one should be shaking anyone's hand. Yeah, they should all be fisting. She said that she pried this title from Rhonda's broken hand, and Baszler has been hiding in the shadows for a year. Normal people don't beat trained killers, except for me. And she's gonna smash Baszler's face. And Lawler repeats that Becky isn't a bitch. She's the bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought a decent promo from Becky here. A couple good lines in there. I think uh, they were trying really hard to make Shayna look like a threat. You know, they're very much more framing her as sort of like the MMA fighter, uh, much along the lines of Ronda Rousey and how Becky said, I beat one of your kind before, essentially, and I can beat you too. Um I didn't think there was anything in here that really helped escalate this feud to any sort of significant degree, but I thought it was a decent promo. Yeah, it's just, you know, the, these two s strong forces that are meeting 
at WrestleMania. And this is Baszler's um, big opportunity at the championship and Becky facing her most dangerous opponent. And that was pretty much it. There was no Shayna Baszler on the show. They just limited it to this promo. And I think that now that we have the match that, you know, from the Royal Rumble until now, Becky's kind of just been floating around and having to to wait and wait. And she's felt like a distant priority in this buildup to WrestleMania. So now we have four weeks to build up this match. There's the solid direction. And I think that this version of Becky Lynch is the strongest rather than, you know, showing up with a, a crown on her head to uh, hang out on commentary. I didn't mind the crown. I thought she looked great, but sure. Rey Mysterio versus... Angel Garza, and early on they go to a break, and man, were you watching this on Sportsnet? Uh, Jeff Merrick's podcast getting all the uh, advertising love here on on Sportsnet. This thing was just full of ads on the on tonight's show. Uh, like the lower crawl, you mean? No, actual commercials. Oh, I skipped through the commercials. Oh, you got to stick around for the commercials. Garza ends up setting up Ray for the six one nine, and he gets caught. And Garza goes to the floor, gets hit with the sliding splash by Ray, and they had a very good match here, and it was really just built around the 619, with both attempting it at different times. Uh, Garza ducked the 619, super kicking Ray, and then as he went for the destroyer, Garza caught him, but a tilt-a-whirl set up Garza, and finally, Ray hit the 619 and went for the springboard, and it was almost like this elbow drop slash splash that he hit him with and won the match in nine minutes. Very good match from these two. You know, I thought the crowd was very engaged throughout this whole thing. Um, any combination of, of, of these four, uh, between these two and Andrade and, and Humberto, are great for TV. Um, certainly, Ray, you know, after a month off, doesn't really feel as hot as he did uh, at the height of uh, last year or for the Brock feud. But I think the the idea right now is to give that exposure to the other three and... I think it's been successful, you know, considering especially here with Angel Garza, somebody who might have not been, uh, who might have not uh, have been scheduled to be a part of this whole thing at all. The fact that I think uh, over the past month he's managed to, I, I think, establish himself pretty well on TV has been a real benefit. Yeah, no step forward in terms of any kind of indication of what what the like this program is going to lead to at WrestleMania just kind of a just a just a good match that was pretty much it mm-hmm. then Kevin Owens arrived and this was from earlier in the night where he ran into AOP Murphy and Rollins eating popcorn and Owens realizes he's outnumbered so he just launches his luggage and gets beaten down by all of them when we had uh, fellow Canadian Lance Storm coming to the rescue along with Sanjay Dutt and um, they just broke this up with Owens who just got the shit beat out of him multiple times. This was a bad day for Kevin Owens. It's it's a dangerous place to work evidently. Very. They're really hyping up Steve Austin's appearance for next week so it seemed like the Success of building up John Cena's return. They're looking to do the same thing on Raw with Austin. And Tom Phillips making sure everyone gets the joke that next week it's 316 day and then explaining because it's March 16th next week. He had to have explained this at least like two or three times on this show (laughs) that it's March 16th. And every time Lawler is like, I got it. That's I see what you did there. Hmm. 
They re-aired the video package with Rhea Ripley inside Raymond James Stadium that they aired on NXT last week, which I was glad they re-aired because it was a really good uh, piece here on, on Ripley. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I think the idea behind this whole thing, I know, is partly to get Charlotte onto NXT to help that show, but I think it's also to, it's you know, um, to help expose Rhea Ripley to a bigger audience on Raw. And a video like this certainly would be the most beneficial thing you can do for her without actually having her be there. It told kind of like her, I mean, shit, like we we're talking about ages earlier, like made me feel old seeing this person in, in her youth as a child, which was probably like 20, like tw- 2008, <laughs> like when she was dreaming about one day being on this stage, like she couldn't have been more than like, it couldn't have been more than like, I don't know, 10, 10 years ago, if that. Yeah, yeah, really. It was, um, which one? I think it was Ripley who had stated that the match that got her into wrestling was Triple H and Ric Flair in 2005. How old was she? I think she was born like 92, is my guess. Okay. I think. Yeah, Ripley. Let's look at Ripley. October, dude, 1996. She October 11th, 96. Jesus Christ. So she would have been nine years old seeing <laughs> Triple H and Ric Flair oh <laughs> in the middle of uh, their feud. Oh, my goodness. So that Ruthless Aggression documentary for her is basically like... Her childhood memories. Yeah. That's like her <laughs> it, it would predate her fandom. Wow. In 2002. Wow. She would have been... Wow. She would have been like six years old in, mm. the, in, the, in the, the SmackDown 6 era. Yeah, when Shawn Michaels achieved his boyhood dream, she was was she even born? No, she was not born yet. She oh was born goodness. that fall. <laughs> <laughs> After that, uh, Charlotte came out and said Ripley will never be her because there's only one Charlotte Flair. That it, it, you cannot debate that argument. I mean, somebody else out there could be named Charlotte Flair. You know, I'm sure. Look in the phone book, Google search. She's- she said that everyone thinks Ripley is going to be the next big thing, but the hype is not going to last. And there's a big difference between walking around in an empty stadium, sharing your dreams, and inside of one with 90,000 people where you'll be humbled. So she she clearly got a, a bit of the uh, Hulk Hogan uh, form of promotion here. 90,000 people we're now expecting at uh, Raymond James Stadium, which... Uh, I think is absolutely, uh, literally impossible in this size venue. But, Maybe she hey. thinks this was taking place in Dallas or another arena. The suit, yeah, the Silver Dome. Maybe she's, um, yeah, maybe could have been. Yeah. Then Rhea comes out and Flair tells her this is not NXT and Ripley is excused. So then Ripley delivered this weird looking strike. It was almost like this punch that was delivered like a chop to her neck and Charlotte goes down, but she's not selling that this has hurt her. She's more so it's like, uh, she can't believe it. She's like amused by this. And then they just smile at each other and Rhea leaves and they just continue to laugh. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, to me, this felt like a week one interaction of the build when it, rather than like, what is this now? Week seven or something at this point. This was W-E-A-K. Yes, yes. Thank you. 
I, I, I feel like it's certainly much like you said about uh, Becky and, and Shayna. Like this feud, despite the fact that I think it's had the longest run of any of the female championship feuds, it still feels like it's been standing in place because of the timing of it all. You know, uh, all the stuff with Bel Air, of course, having to put this one on hold. And then this week, it just feels like now that I guess Elimination Chamber is over, they can really start the build. And that's why I feel like this felt like another chapter one. Um, video was good. The in-ring did very little to, to elevate my interest again. But um, yeah, uh, I, I wasn't really a big fan of Charlotte's promo either. I, I just, I found it, you know, to be another rather generic and, uh, you know, without substance or storyline type of promo. Like, you'll never be me. You're going to be humbled by the queen. It's just like, to me, a lot of words that don't really say a whole lot. It seems like like the surface level is, okay, it's someone from NXT and it's someone from Raw. We've had Rhea show up on Raw. We've had Charlotte show up on NXT. We've had Charlotte wrestle on NXT. And it's, all right, it's the, you know, I, I like some of the contents of the video, like the comparisons to Charlotte early in her career. Like there's some stuff there. And mm-hmm. I think it's a, and as a match, I think it's a it's a really interesting one for, for them to have. It just, to me, they, they haven't reached the next level of this feud beyond like just, Again, the the surface stuff that they've, you know, they, they've hit all of the the basics of this program. So now I think people are looking for okay, what's what's next that's going to make people really emotionally invested in this match on what's going to be a very long show. I, I feel like they haven't necessarily like made the hook really of the match like feel mm, that apparent yet. I think the video probably like did the best job of it. I feel like Charlotte's promo on NXT a couple weeks back did a pretty decent job of it of how like you know she talked she was talking about how she made that title and for somebody to walk on her show right now holding the same title that she made famous like that to me was a promo that i think was full of a lot more substance than what we got here which was just like generic like i'm the queen you know you're i'm gonna humble you you're gonna bow down to me like that like kind of mindless drivel um but that's also the problem when you have like so many weeks of tv to fill without i really kind of like Without without like the task of overriding it, which can also be bad. Um, how much how much can they really say? Yeah, I mean, you run into the problem, and then all of a sudden, someone's like running you over with a car. And That's always that territory. It's always the example. Yeah, Randy Orton was hiding out in this smoke filled room that had all of these tables stacked up against the wall. And he's just standing in this room and was apparently standing in this room for hours. Yeah, they couldn't get him a seat. Uh, it was also meticulously, like, lit. It was amazing. And he yeah. even got into his gear for this. <laughs> Bobby Lashley and Zack Ryder. Um, the high point of the match was that they announced Lana was doing a movie with Bruce Willis. And Lashley won in a minute 21 with the Dominator. Yes, yes. Uh, Which is not a move exclusive for Shayna. Yeah, yeah. Everybody kind of does a version of this Stormbreaker thing now, don't they? Um, yeah, this is like you know, a pretty quick nothing TV match to, I guess, rehab Lashley coming off of the past few weeks. Uh, do you have any indication what he, what he might be doing or whether or not he'll even have an actual match at WrestleMania? Um, I think that he will be demanding that he will be the one to beat in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That would be where I would envision Lashley after this year of where he ends up. Likewise, you know, if there was going to be any program, it would have been, I guess, something involving Rusev, and they've totally dropped that. So maybe they'll meet each other in the Battle Royal. 
Alistair Black is in his room and he's all set to deliver what I could only imagine would have been um, sincere birthday wishes. And he was interrupted by Seth Rollins and Murphy who walked into the room and they want Alistair by his side to join the movement. Is that the name? That's what he referred to it as. And he's also uh, Seth has tweeted the this movement. term as well. Oh, yes. God. I don't know if that's a great name to name your stable. Yeah, they can come out to uh, – they like to move it. Mm. No. He turns them down. He's not going to join the movement. <laughs> and Rollins says, you're either with us, the movement, or you're against the movement. And Black says that you did knock on the right door and I accept. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get a match. With Seth Rollins and Aleister Black later in the program. Yeah, that's right. Simple build to a match on TV. Very simple, yes. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there? Aleister. Will you join my movement? No? Okay, let's fight. Let's fight, you bitch. Eric Rowan, Drew McIntyre. We had the cage. It was back. It's still hidden. I don't know why. Why is he hiding it again? Oh, I mean, the spider doesn't like light. Does he not understand how cable works? Like what that machine was that was rolling on that footage? I mean, I I don't know. Maybe it's less out of secrecy and maybe just more so to protect the the beautiful pet that rests inside that cage. His opponent was Drew McIntyre. Early on, Drew avoids the iron claw. They go to the floor. Rowan takes a belly-to-belly on the floor. That looked fun. And then Drew grabs this cage, puts it on the floor... Grabs the metal steps and he smashes this cage. He smashes, I mean, presumably the spider that's inside this cage as well. That mechanical toy spider that did nothing wrong to anybody. I thought Drew was like, what a, what a dick. Yeah, fuck that guy. He's a murderer, man. Like, have your what? problems with Eric Rowan, this guy that's kept this thing in a cage hidden from the world. But what did, what did this poor animal pet do to anybody? Absolutely. Like, you don't like the man, attack the man. Why attack the pet that belongs to the guy? I absolutely felt sympathy for Rowan here. You know, imagine if, if instead of a spider, this was his dog. And Drew McIntyre takes this dog, this little cute little pug chihuahua in this cage, and just smashes it with this with the steel steps. What, what a monster this man is. It's like this guy's pet. And to be quite honest, like, what, what trait of Eric Rowan... Is like this that you would be disliking this individual. Like so, what he he so, wins his matches. He's very competitive, and he's got a pet. He's got yeah. like a a security blanket in this in this spider. Well, you know we're we're, we're kind of half joking, but I'm actually really not. Like this has part of been part of this has been kind of part of my problem with this Drew push thus far. There have been weeks. I would say like seventy five percent of the time, the, the the what they do with them has been fantastic, uh, especially lately. But then some weeks. He just comes across looking like a total bully because he just like goes way too far for these guys that have done really nothing terrible to him. I thought I, I felt sympathy for Mojo when you just like treated him like shit, uh, completely neglected him, did not respect him as, a, as an opponent and just killed him. But this one even more so the, like Rowan, he doesn't even have a personal issue with him. You are taking part in a in a fair, competitive sporting event and the man's best friend. Ended up being murdered on live TV. This poor guy. 
Well, do you think this is this was the end of the cage? Like this, uh, this, this, uh, the spider has now been killed, and the the cage is gone now. After this, I would think so. Yeah, unless it's like that it's, seemed to be the only purpose of this was to eliminate this cage. So, Eric well, I guess once the mis- once the mystery's gone, really, what is there? I guess he's, he'll have to get a new animal. New I mean that that reveal was really well done last week. I mean, oh, what yeah. a build up for those four months. Oh yeah, did you see the quarter hour? Yeah, it was huge. Um, but now I really want to see Rowan get his revenge. WrestleMania, he should come out and cost them the match. He should go come out, and if Drew's got any sort of pet at home, <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel bad for that guy. Gets a poisonous tarantula and puts it on top of Drew, and it bites him. Wow. They recap the Orton and Beth Phoenix segment from last week, and this was uh, including family photos of Randy uh, and videos of the the family man that Edge helped to foster. All right. The Kabuki Warriors came out, and this was the best promo of the year. These two were just laughing and cut this maniacal promo. Then all of a sudden, they just yell, Kabuki Warriors! They continue to scream at the fans. Kyrie then screeches Elimination Chamber like she's Lenny Hart and then asks if Asuka is fe- how she's feeling. Asuka says, it's okay. Kyrie just screams. It's like completely indecipherable what she's saying, but you can tell she's alluding to the wrist being injured of Asuka. And Asuka says, I want to beat someone. And they name Alexa Bliss, who they call a mean girl. I don't know what they were saying, but I totally understood what they were trying to get across. And I thought this is great. You understood enough. I mean, you know, they, they speak a totally different language. And I mean, when they do speak English, it's like, I, I it's, it's, it's some, sometimes kind of hard to hear, but I, I mean, I think most would understand enough. And, and beyond that, the delivery itself is so captivating. Like I absolutely thought this was a better promo than what I heard from Charlotte earlier on this show. Um, it felt unique, and it felt like it didn't feel like somebody just reading off of a script. Yeah, it's just like it's all in the delivery that you can – okay, this is to convey we're pissed about last night, and now we want revenge. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think week by week they're really figuring it out, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's working. So it's the Kabuki Warriors against Natalia and Liv Morgan. Natalia's got her arm taped up. Liv is favoring her neck, selling the attack from the Elimination Chamber the night prior. And they worked over Natalia's arm for quite a while. Ruby Riot came out. And then later on in the match, Sarah Logan came out. Uh, Natalia was able to escape a guillotine. And then Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot start brawling as they go to a commercial break. And then Liv hits a high cross onto both women on the floor. But in doing so, Natalia has no one to tag when she finally makes her way to the corner. Natalia is able to apply the sharpshooter onto Kyrie when Asuka breaks it with a head kick and she's the legal woman and ends up pinning Natalia at 10.55. The Kabuki Warriors win. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yep. Um, I thought Liv looked like a real idiot here. Like, just abandoning her partner like that? Why? Because she saw her her rival, Ruby Riot, and she just let her emotion get the best of her. 
She could have done that the whole match. Well, she or was after the match even. She crossed the imaginary line when she was close and she said, you know what? This is time for a cross body. Haven't you ever had that feeling? Been in a mall and you've seen your enemy on the first floor and you've just wanted to dive off? I've never been in that situation uh, where I've I've had the higher ground on, on two people that I really wanted to fight. But I, I could I guess I could see the appeal. You know? It's like it'd be like a ball pit at McDonald's. So um so yeah, this continues. It does continue, yes. Um, the OC came out, and AJ cut his big promo. Lawler, at the beginning, so astute, he said, he's upset, you can tell. And yes, AJ was upset. He said, the Undertaker has, snu- has stuck his nose into his business twice and taken moments away from me, including stealing a beautiful trophy and costing me a match last night. He said three years ago, he watched The Undertaker get beat by Roman Reigns, fold his jacket, and leave his hat in the ring. And he probably should have called it a day after he got beat by Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. He said it was a beautiful and powerful moment, and The Undertaker ruined it when he came back to WWE, and it's going to cost him, because I want The Undertaker at WrestleMania. This thing... Like, this is a pretty big, you know, The Undertaker getting challenged to WrestleMania is usually a guaranteed big pop. But this crowd, whether it was, you know, just a formality that they knew this match was coming, certainly didn't react to it in a big way. So AJ continued. He said 10 to 15 years ago, he may have been hesitant to call out The Undertaker, but he doesn't see him as a mythical monster. He's a broken down man named Mark Calloway, who should have retired 10 years ago in his prime And he thinks it's all his wife, Michelle, who keeps having him come back. They're married, if you didn't know. And she plays The Undertaker like a fiddle. He gets hurt every time he steps into the ring. Michelle is a conniving person, and she's going to run him into the ground. And AJ's going to help her. Because he's going to make sure he dies in that ring at WrestleMania. I will take his soul. He said that he's lost his pride and mystique. He is a broken down man that the people don't give a damn about. And I will literally put the nail in his coffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A very fiery, very personal promo here from AJ. Uh, dipping a little bit into reality, you know, using his real name, making mention of his wife. I thought it really caught your attention, and I liked it a lot. It was very different from, you know, the usual fear that we get for any sort of, like, especially Undertaker feud. So I, I think it it needed something that was this sort of scathing and, and personal because AJ has taken losses at the hands of, like, you know, due to the Undertaker's uh, either de- deliberate or uh, direct or in an indirect um, cause. Uh, he's taken those losses over the past, what, two weeks? So... He needed something that felt personal that made you want to see The Undertaker get revenge. And I feel like this achieved that. This certainly was done to, you know, elicit a response to shock people that The Undertaker is being spoken in this way. And I was kind of torn because you're right. Like, AJ needed a big promo to cut out, like, the joking comedy AJ Styles that this is it's kind of been how he's presented up until now. So I, I thought, like, the tone was right. But 
I also look at, you know, the the old adage that you don't just destroy your opponent in a promo, especially where I think all of these things that people uh, bring up about the Undertaker's physical limitations and, you know, past his prime are all things that I think the audience would begrudgingly agree with. It's true. Yeah. Unless they were so confident that the Undertaker, you know, the story of the match is that Taker is, you know, like Randy the Ram. He's somebody who can still um, play this character. Uh, and I I find that aspect really interesting is that how, how will the Undertaker answer this type of promo? You know, now that his real life uh, name, his real uh, wife and, and his kids are canon, uh, part of the storyline... How does the Undertaker and how do they explain that this guy comes out in a trench coat and all this smoke um, if it's not just a character, you know, is. Yeah. And do does the audience, you know, want to view the Undertaker as this guy with a wife and kids with physical deterioration? And the way this was set up, it almost calls for a Michelle McCool appearance on TV, you would think, in the lead up to this. Like this was as much about Michelle as it was. Undertaker. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I expected in the weeks to come. I mean, they really hit a home run with the Beth segment. So maybe, you know, the former uh, Divas champion wives are all going to make their returns and maybe add a bit of uh, intrigue to this one. But we'll see. Or or Michelle waits for WrestleMania and ends the match with the faith breaker to AJ. Oh, there's your feud right there. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's as natural a rivalry as a spear versus spear, isn't it? I mean, this has so, been building up for over a decade. Certainly as long-term build, yeah. But, you know, it makes me wonder whether or not they'll continue with this direction of, like, the idea that the that Mark Calloway is, like, the Undertaker's Earth Realm disguise. You know, it, it's his alter, alter ego, like his Clark Kent or something. Like, But instead of, like, Clark Kent being the real thing... It's Superman that's the real thing. Like, it, just in this way, The Undertaker is the real guy, and Mark Calloway is just this, this disguise. Huh? I will say this for this this Undertaker, you know, for a character that is so mythologized within WWE, you know, the, the performer, Mark Calloway, he seems to have a really um, comfortable, like, leeway with his character that he will, you know, he, it could have just been simply you build up the dead man for his match, his WrestleMania match. And, you know, I would imagine feels like they need to go this direction. I don't know if it's the best idea of Undertaker, the married the married man with Michelle McCool. But, um, you know, it was certainly designed to be, you know, a heated promo that was going to stun people with, like, the content that AJ was delivering. I just don't know if you position your older legend in such a way that, you know, you just, you know, completely call out everything that I, I think fans are very well aware of. It's not the case of the heel being um, necessarily inaccurate with some of his, you know, insults. Certainly. Yeah. Um, it makes it really interesting because this is somebody like the undertaker who this is being said of, uh, and you know, we know that he's usually very protective of his storylines, I would assume gave the okay for something like this to be said about him. Oh, certainly. So, um, it's just at the end of it. It's like Undertaker wins this match. Well, it's like, okay, AJ, you've just lost to the broken down over the hill aging veteran. 
Well, I mean, the idea is that AJ was wrong and AJ underestimated The Undertaker. Well, uh, we will see what happens. Uh, next week, they are doing a contract signing between the two. And will someone get stabbed in the hand with a pen? See, it's a 50-50 chance. I mean, Undertaker and these contract signings for WrestleMania, they can go, um, they can go off the wall. So Taker and Austin on next week's show. Orton is still in his room. Charlie has detected him, but Randy has no thoughts to share when asked. Her question was literally, what are your thoughts about Edge showing up tonight? None. None. That was it. Riddick Moss and Cedric Alexander for the 24-7 title. Riddick Moss won with a neck breaker, and they said that he has given new meaning to what it means to be 24-7 champion. There's no longer anyone chasing after him, which, if you go back to when Mojo first won this, was kind of like his whole character was that he was going to change this division and there was going to be nobody uh, chasing after him. And it looks like they liked that idea, just not the body that was going to execute that plan. And they just have moved it on to Riddick Moss and Mojo is right back to where he started in, in, you know, nowhere's land. Main event. Um, nowhere sure. land. That's what they should call. It. By the way, you know who else wrestled on main event this week? Who is that? Ricochet. Oh, boy. Yeah. So He was not even on the show tonight. Yeah. Well, he was on that one. So, anyway. Uh, you know, last week was certainly um, a bit of a joke, seeing Riddick Moss beat Ricochet. But this week, it seems like they're being very serious with, with Ricochet. And the, the, the better he gets booked, the less bad Ricochet looks in hindsight. So, I think Riddick, Rick, Riddick Moss just needs to go... Go on and maybe like beat Brock Lesnar. Ricochet will look look a lot better coming out of it. So, um, they're really trying to book this twenty four seven title as like almost at this point like an IC title or like a US title. You know, treating it very seriously as a secondary belt. And um, they're trying, man. You know, I would I'll say Rick, Rick Moss. I think it looks really good in ring. It's just it's a belt that needs a long time to rehab, and really, it's a character that I think needs a bit more. Mm, has this guy done one promo? Do you know one thing about Rick Moss since he's come up onto the main roster? Other no. than he was a blocker. No, I don't. So they go to break and we come back and MVP is in mid-sentence in the ring insulting Washington, D.C. That is so insignificant that they're not even a state. The crowd was like, boo. Mm-hmm. What an insult. He said he is transitioning from in-ring competitor to Brainiac, and it's time to lead others to championship status, but he needs a solid foundation, and he's going to build it around Edge. The problem Edge has is focus, and he can lead Edge back to prominence and make him champion again. With that, Edge pulls up in the back, and he gets out of his car, and he darts towards the uh, towards the arena, I swear, if you go and watch this back, the man did not blink once. Oh, he's got like the bulgy eyes, like really. He like he's like the guy who was ringside watching the uh, Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker. He's got that face. Like this was a uh, man. His music hits. He comes out. He grabs the microphone and he demands that Randy Orton grow a set and come out right now. 
MVP says, there you go. Your mental is off. You're not focusing on the right thing. You're embarrassing yourself. And Edge is ignoring this voice in the background. And then MVP says, how's your wife? And Edge turns around, spears MVP, and then Orton runs into the ring and goes to attack him. And Edge is able to hit the RKO, which I think Christian could lend him the name of his finisher to describe this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because this was not the prettiest. Uh, But it's it's hard to like. The angle that he was coming at him to, it was just like the just the physics of executing the move at that angle was a little awkward. I I think it's really hard to like match though, like Randy Orton's RKO. And I feel like it's almost like underappreciated how, how snappy and explosive it is because it's not just like a diamond cutter. It's not just like really any other cutter. It's, it's how quick he's able to do it and how good he's been able to make it his entire career. And unfortunately, um, Edge coming in here and and trying to do the same. I I mean I get it obviously you know because of the the story and I think it got a big reaction immediately, but didn't really look as good. Didn't really look as devastating. And I also felt like it was. I I kind of feel like if you're if a guy has just tried to end your career and just attacked your wife, I I don't really feel like I would retaliate by doing <laughs> your you know his wrestling move or even like trying to sell a new submission here. Like I'd be after him after with like a weapon or something that's just like a lot more blunt, you know, like a uh, like a spear. A spear would have been perfect, but you know, to steal his wrestling move, his make believe wrestling move at a time like like this when you're looking to just kill the guy and, and seek revenge for him attacking your wife, I kind of to me to me it kind of took like some of the severity off. Well, I think kind of the idea, too, was that Beth got taken out with the RKO. It's this devastating move to the neck, and he's now going for Randy's neck. Maybe I'm stretching on that one. But he hits it, and then Edge grabs two chairs, and Orton runs away, and MVP is left there. And Edge introduced us to his arm triangle choke onto MVP. So looks like that will be added to his arsenal. And he hit an an RKO to MVP on the chair and hit MVP with the concerto. The crowd chants one more time. So he does another one with Orton watching from the top of the ramp. And the segment ends with Edge running after Orton, who gets away to the back. Yeah, crowd was really into it. I thought MVP was really good in his role. Yeah. I, I thought it was a good segment. I didn't think it was at... You know, so, this is the top angle for me going into Mania, and I think they kind of bypassed like all the questions surrounding like Edge got this vicious attack where we were told that this guy might never wrestle again, and there was like no, it's like all the heat was now ba- based off of what happened to Beth last week, and Edge is completely rehabilitated, and we're just going to kind of overlook the the big angle that started this back after the Royal Rumble. Yeah, certainly. I, I mean, I almost feel like Beth last week could have, like, just said, oh, by the way, the health update, Edge is cleared. And and then, you know, they could get into the physicality, Beth could be laid out, and you could have still maybe um, explained it. And I'm sure they will. Like, I mean, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? He was doing physicality here, so he must be cleared. 
Well, that's it. It's just you, you kind of eliminated any of that that drama or any kind of doubt which they had tried to build up over all these weeks of why Edge was not there any longer. So um, nonetheless, I, I think that this program is is doing very well. They didn't officially announce the match yet, but that seems to be the next step in all of this. Overall, a, a good segment, but I, I wouldn't say this was like a home run like the the first Edge attack or last week's segment. I think it certainly paled in comparison to those two. Agreed. Uh, they show clips of Paul Levesque re- receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Arnold Sports Festival over the weekend. And then we had taped segments involving Paul Heyman and Drew McIntyre, with Heyman listing off all the victims uh, of Brock Lesnar over the years and that no one has been so dominant for as long as Brock Lesnar has. And Drew, in his statement, said that everything Heyman said is true. But then Brock ran into me. And he never makes a promise he can't keep, and he promises he will claim more Brock, knock him on his ass, and pin him at WrestleMania to become WWE champion. So the babyface is guaranteeing a title win at Mania. So we have the the spoiler versus the promise. We shall see. Yeah, they they were working really hard because they already worked in the footage of uh, Drew McIntyre killing Eric Rowan Spider into this special video. Yes, the turnaround was incredible here. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the highlights of this build, including the uh, the shot of the the steps with the the cage. I think made its way in here, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, Charlie locates Edge. He's looking for Randy, and Charlie says, "Oh, he left the arena." And Edge just kind of stood there and was eyes bulging, seething. Yes, and they said he looks uh, possessed. Broken Adam. Broken Adam. Oh, oh, I get it. Seth Rollins, Alistair Black. Rollins comes out accompanied by Popcorn with Murphy. Uh, Each try, Seth tries to stomp. Alistair tries to Black Mass. They miss. Uh, Black gets driven into the turnbuckle, comes back, hits a quebrada. Murphy then gets knocked off the apron. Rollins capitalizes, but... Black hits a head kick, bridging German when Murphy runs in for the DQ. Seven and a half minutes, and then the AOP run in. It's four on one, and then the Viking Raiders run in, and everyone's fighting. The Street Profits come out. Somehow in all of this, Alistair Black vanished, and it's Montez Ford calling for an eight-man tag as it will be the Street Profits and Viking Raiders against Rollins, Murphy, and AOP, or for short, the Movement. The movement, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I don't know, Al- Alistair Black just evaporated, I guess. He just vanished in this. I don't know yeah. where the hell he went. Uh, then they ran the promo for SmackDown this week with Paige and Jeff Hardy. What What would Jeff say if Hulk Hogan suggested they team up together at WrestleMania? Uh, I don't know what. Terry, no! <laughs> Street Pro <laughs> I'm trying here. Oh, Eight man tag. This thing went like four hours, is what it felt like. Yeah. yeah. Am I exaggerating? Like this no, to not me. At all. Nothing wrong here, but it was like No, this no, sh- and you're wrong. You're done. There was something wrong. Yeah. It's like this show we- was done. This show was done. And this was guys, finish the show out. We've got thirty minutes left. It's the fact that we've seen some iteration of this multi-man tag involving the movement and a uh, combination of the Viking Raiders or Kevin Owens or whoever for like the past two months. 
And anytime they do it, especially at the last minute, you can... I mean, they're they're really relying on the fact that these guys are great wrestlers and that they'll deliver, like, a good wrestling match. But I don't... I'm not spending my, you know, t- 10 o'clock hour on a Monday night to watch a random house show match involving eight random guys on, on Raw. I, I have way better things to do for with with my life if I wasn't doing this show, of course. But um, it just feels really unimportant. And not to mention just the whole bait and switch of like promising this Rollins black match, giving you maybe five seconds of it and then replacing it with this. It just, you know, it's 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 just not good TV. It's a weird comparison, but it goes to my point here of like wins and losses on this show. The last time I can't speak for the man's record on main event. Maybe he's tearing it up. But the last time we saw Cedric Alexander on Raw, he was losing on this show. And like it's it's such a stupid argument to make. But how did this guy get a title shot tonight? And the answer, people are laughing at me bringing that up because that's like no one thinks like that when you're watching Raw. Because wins and losses mean nothing. So if you're going to sit down for 23 minutes and 44 seconds and you don't, it doesn't matter who wins or loses, you're checked out. You're completely checked out when wins and losses mean nothing. And you can just, like, what what was in it for the winner here? Nothing. And if a win doesn't matter, then there's no engagement here. Yeah. So they had the heat on... They just took turns. First, it was Eric who was beaten down for an eternity. Then he made the tag to Montez Ford. Ford fires up. He's going crazy. They go to commercial. They come back. Ford's just getting pounded on in the corner, and the crowd is sitting on their hands. Eventually, everyone is in. They're taking their turns. Uh, Ford hits his big splash off the top, which they're calling from the heavens. Murphy makes the save, so Rollins is saved. And then Ford dives onto everyone in the ring, comes in and gets hit with the stomp and Rollins wins, pins it for uh, winning it for his team. 23 minutes and 44 seconds afterwards, Kevin Owens shows up, attacks Rollins, stuns Akam. Razor gets sent to the floor. He stuns Murphy, but then Rollins hits him with the stomp, hits Owens with a second stomp and then hits Owens with a third stomp. So it was not a great night to be Kevin Owens. And that's how the show ended with Seth Rollins um, and the movement God, declaring victory over Kevin Owens. <laughs> uh, you know, match really picked up with the closing sequence at the end, as you can always count on these guys to do. Ford continues to be a featured player on Raw. Spectacular looking moves, great charisma, of course. But man, like from the moment this match was put out there, I thought these eight were pretty much put out there to fail. Like these matches are, are just so meaningless. Um, and how many of them can we get to just close out this like long drawn out Raw they're often decent matches, but they just don't advance the story at all. They're really, at this point, just, they feel like time filler. So that's it. And, you know, last week we had that promo from Seth Rollins about, I will face you, Owens. You name the time, the place, and the stipulation. Like, why would Kevin Owens, who has had a week, not be ready with an answer? Yeah, like, I don't the know. The baby face should be the one that... He has been granted the chance at his rival. And you had nothing uh, referencing that tonight either. So no real movement there. Um, I I just thought like the last 40 minutes of this show just felt like it was largely just filling in that third. Like I could see this third hour really decreasing um, significantly, which 
Uh, I, I don't disagree with the placement. Like Edge was the big thing on the show, and I think it was smarter to do it at 10 o'clock as opposed to, you know, right before the, the show ends where you're just fighting to keep people. Then why did they do the Beth Orton thing last week at the end? Well, I guess last week they had much more faith in them sticking around for that particular segment. But yeah, it, to me, it was like once Edge came out, that was it. And you had nothing even announced after you had the Rollins Alistair Black match, but that's going into the ring at like ten fifteen. It's like what is going to fill out this third hour? And it's this impromptu eight man that starts and goes twenty three minutes. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was Raw. Uh, how did you feel about the show overall? Uh, I didn't like it as much this week, uh, and maybe it's just the last segment really kind of putting a sour taste into my mouth. Uh, I was really looking forward to seeing Edge and Orton, and I have to say, you know, based on the quality of, I think, the feud so far, um, it was a good segment, but not at the level of, I think, you know, the prior segments with Matt Hardy or Beth Phoenix. So that might have been a bit of a letdown, but it was still a very healthy, good segment, and it's a very healthy feud. Beyond that, you know, AJ had, like, sort of this, like, semi-shoot promo on The Undertaker that was interesting. Um, Drew McIntyre killed a spider. (laughs) And, like, dude, that was it. What else is there? This Becky Lynch promo? Like, it was nothing. So, totally skippable, except, you know, if you really want to see Drew McIntyre kill a giant spider. Uh, if you want to see this promo from uh, AJ and then the Edge stuff. But I would say a lesser Raw than previous weeks. Yeah, I, I think the Raw has largely been uh, clicking pretty well in this lead-up to WrestleMania. I would say Tonight's Show. It, it had its segments, but I was expecting, like, now that Elimination Chamber is out of the way, I was expecting everything to really be geared toward WrestleMania. And, yes, the focus is WrestleMania, but it just seemed like there was still a bit of a holding pattern for a lot of these programs tonight that this almost felt like this is one extra week before everything gets – we can officially announce all these matches, send everyone into their respect, respected division or direction for Mania. Um and that the third hour to me really, really dragged at the end. So that was tonight's episode of Raw. The forum gave the show a 5.5. So they did give the show in Washington a pass. Paul from New Jersey writes, Tonight's promo from Becky Lynch was great. You can tell she's trying her best to help get Shayna over to the main crowd. That said, Charlotte and Ripley is a dead feud to me. No idea why they are fighting something about millennials. I hope for Drew McIntyre's sake that PETA doesn't have a robotics section. I guess we're done with that. Edge and Orton was great again, but overall, the show gets a five. Too many matches that don't matter or end in a DQ. Did either of you hear Lawler call Asuka Akana? I guess this is a, an amalgamation of both her names. <laughs> Asuka and Kana. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. You know, no, even I if didn't. I did, it's like whatever. Like nothing. Like what is it? Is that a big deal now? Like of course he's going to screw things up. We go to Joe from Niagara who says, hey guys, it's been a while, but before I begin, let me get in my comment. Countdown. Three, two, one. Love the momentum behind Drew. The crowd is really behind this guy and so am I. Great promo by AJ Styles tonight. I have to say the potential I see in Angel Garza is insane. Man, this guy is just oozing with charisma. Quick question following up on Elimination Chamber. Can you guys see some sort of alliance or tag team between Brian and Gulak or just a one and done thing with them? Um, I don't know. I'm not really clamoring for the two to team up together. Um, I, I think you could get another match out of them on TV, but I don't know. Long term, I, I don't see them doing much together. 
I don't really see Gulak in like Brian's plans for WrestleMania, so I don't see this tag team really uh taking place right now. Um you know, I hope Gulak has some sort of presence because I would say his stock is certainly raised coming off of this pay per view. And maybe that was just the intent behind it all. But I don't really see any pairing between the two uh heading into WrestleMania. It's a kind of performance that you would hope gets noticed and the guy earned himself like something coming out of that as like whether this was just designed to be a a one-off program to get through elimination chamber like he i think did such a good job with brian that you would hope that in this system you go out there and tear it up that there is a reward for that internally what would the reward be i mean tv time like some kind of a push like that to me would be a message that you want to send to your locker room that you know if you're given an opportunity and you succeed that you're going to be rewarded for that as opposed to guys that would go out there have a killer match and they're right back into the same spot they always are i just feel like there's so many guys in the same position you know you got like shorty g apollo cruz like even somebody like a heath slater you know i mean i see kind of if anything he perhaps earned himself a promotion to be at that level uh, Adam writes, Edge, whose wife was just attacked last week. No pyro, no poses. Rhea Ripley comes out in a supposedly surprise appearance and gets pyro and poses. One is Vince's vision. The other probably came from the mind of a kid from Orangeville. Also, Charlotte still has a terrible woo. The AJ promo had to be the first time Undertaker was called Mark on WWE television. It's not because uh, Ken Shamrock did that once yes. on TV, which he was uh, was uh, a famous uh, segment from 1999. Um Calling out someone else's wife might have been influenced from his feud with Samoa Joe. Do you think Michelle McCool makes an appearance at the contract signing or is in Undertaker's corner at WrestleMania? Um, I would say that she was she was so heavily a focus of that promo that it almost seems um, that would be surprising for her not to have some involvement, which is it's very interesting as well. The timing that last week there was that whole WWE.com list that did not list Michelle McCool in this whatever it was list of past female talent. And then the Undertaker's getting in there as well, complaining about her omission from this list. And now all of a sudden they're the focus of a promo this week. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What was the list? It was something about like the, you know, it was ranking like women from, you know, their, that, I, I I can't remember what the exact subject line was, but uh, then I guess they ended up adding her or something like that. And Undertaker tweets, "Too little, too late." Oh God! Oh, oh. So it seems oh. like, and then this week they're you know they're both featured in this promo. Oh God! Well, too little, too late. Andrew from Cape Breton says, "So a few months ago, Eric Rowan stuck his hand into the cage, and his hand came out with blood." Not tonight, we had Drew McIntyre murder this man's pet for no reason. I know last week it looked robotic, but based on TV, it's supposed to be a real spider. I was reminded of when Earthquake squashed Damien and made Quake burgers out of the snake. Will Drew be making haggis out of the spider? It definitely feels like Eric Rowan will likely be joining Ricochet on main event. That show seems like it's going to be crowded now that Alex- Chris- Cedric Alexander got moved back to Raw. The 24-7 title has now become a less prestigious, prestigious version of the never-open-weight title. The main positives tonight were the promos with Edge, Becky, and AJ. I wonder if Michelle will teach The Undertaker the faith breaker to counter the Styles Clash. Jay from Colorado. I know, man, the, the, the headline tonight was supposed to be Ricochet is now a main eventer. 
He writes, I noticed that Ricochet appeared on main event. Is this a case of further burial of Ricochet or is this them trying to get main event more views? Guys, this is not a uh, promotion for Ricochet. Uh and if it's Ricochet being buried, what the hell's going on? And what could he have done besides being terrible on the mic? We are weeks away from WrestleMania. It seems more and more likely the event will be moved to ESPN+. Plus. What is the possible motivation for WWE here? I can't imagine people dishing out six. I would not say that is a guarantee that this is, that the show is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. If anything, I would say that that door is closing by each passing day. That they announced WrestleMania. it for the network. They, they're promoting it on the network, yes. So, you yeah. know, that's that's the direction right now. Now, could a deal be struck? Yes. But I would say as we're closing in on WrestleMania, like that that time is winding down very quick. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just in terms of Ricochet, like I, I don't know what the, the deal is, but that guy has, I mean, just completely fallen off the face of the earth now. Or we go to Alex, who says, it was a good show, great AJ promo, and in the Edge segment was awesome. The wrestling was so-so. Thankfully, they've gotten rid of Ricochet onto main event, so we can move on to someone else. And the last one here is, Alfred, do you guys see a four-way at WrestleMania with Ray, Garza, Umberto Carrillo, and Andrade for the U.S. title? Happy birthday, John. We share the same birthday. Well, happy birthday to you as well, Alfred. Um, that's one direction they could go. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I could not see those four ending up with Battle Royal Duty. I, I think they have earned their own match at WrestleMania. The four-way would be fine. Like, it would probably just be a really spectacular, you know, 12 minutes involving those four. I'm not opposed to that at all. Seems to be the direction. You know, that you've pretty much done every sort of uh, combination with these these four. So a straight-up four-way match, I think, for the belt would make sense. So that's everyone's feedback. Thank you for posting up at forum.postwrestling.com. We're going to be back Tuesday night. MCU review of Avengers Infinity War. Have you watched the movie yet, Way? Um, almost all of it, yeah. I have a all bit right. more left to go. Well, we will be joined by uh, Brent Chittenden. Very much looking forward to uh, chatting with Brent about this big one. We have, we have to go grab the big guns for Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you can check that out. That will be up on the Post Wrestling Cafe Tuesday night. And then lots of shows. You can check out the whole schedule up at postwrestling.com. And that's it. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Goodbye.